This is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge Number 2, and I'm here speaking on the level with Matthew Harris. Matt, why don't we start out by you telling me your full name, your home, Blue Lodge, and any titles or offices you have connected to that lodge. Uh, Matthew Harris, uh, and I definitely prefer to be called Matthew. Um, Sorry. It's okay. Uh, Matt is something you wipe your feet on. <laughs> a little family history next. Uh, nonetheless, I belong to a uh, Arizona Lodge Number 2, Free and Accepted Masons. Uh, I have been a Mason now for over three years, uh, and I have served as marshal uh, for the lodge, and I have been recognized uh, by uh, the master that I served under in 2014 for uh, exceptional contributions to the lodge. Worshipful Master Michael DiGiacomo uh, was the worshipful master that I served under with and you, pride. And you said you've been a, a Mason for three years, so when were yes. you raised? Uh, December 15th, 2012, 12, 15, 12, okay. right before the supposed apocalypse. <laughs> and, and you were raised at Arizona number two. Absolutely. It's my family. It's my home. Can you remember when you first discovered or heard of this thing we call masonry? Yes. I was nine years old. Nine? Um, my brother, Jewel, uh, was a soldier in the United States army. And he was stationed in Germany. And I remember him coming home. I had seen rings around my father's house, around our house. And I remember seeing the ring and not really understanding what it was. And I remember a story. We were sitting in the living room. And um, to give you a little history about me, I come from a, a long line of real cutthroat men that really don't play around. Um, some people call my family gangsters or whatever, or a history of gangsters. So... To preface it that, Jewel came home and he says that, hey man, you're over in Germany, a group of men you don't F with is the Masons. You don't mess with them. They're connected, right? And they will they'll make sure you don't mess with them if you mess with them. And, and he was telling me about issues and stories of, of uh, taverns over in Germany where, you know, a guy was messing with one of the Masons and then the other ones came to protect him and you know, that type of stuff. So the lure came from that. Um, as I got older, remember I was a very young boy when he told me these stories. And, I, and I, that was my first recollection of being talked to about Masons. It wasn't until I got older to start asking more appropriate questions as to what is the square and compass or what is that emblem on that ring. So how old do you think you were when you started? About 13 to 14. 13 to 14. And my father told me that... Um, my grandfather was a Mason, and I had never met him. He passed well before I was born. Um, in a little bit more family history, I'm a Caucasian male, but I was raised in a uh, black home, but adopted by uh, black parents. Um, so my grandfather was a Prince Hall Mason. Oh, okay. So uh, that started my research right then and there and finding out my grandfather was a mason and or prince hall masonry um i remember having that conversation your, your grandfather was a mason i didn't understand prince hall masonry until i joined the marine corps the difference the difference between all i knew was my grandfather was a mason oh that's the same thing jewel was talking about oh yeah you know i'm putting it together then i joined the marine corps at 17 in 1996 we get overseas, I'm in Japan, and one of the sh cooks, I was on mess duty, because I had gotten in trouble a little bit. I was not <laughs> that ring. So they put me on mess duty, and there's a gunnery sergeant. I can't remember his name for nothing, but I remember seeing the square and compass emblem on his car. 
in Japan. And I asked him about it. And he gave me what is the stereotypical old guy Mason. Hey, what does that mean? Oh, I can't tell you. It's a secret type thing. <laughs> um, but after spending some time with the gunnery sergeant, uh, he opened, gave me a little a peek inside to, to what masonry is. And, and that's the first time I heard uh, taking good men and making them better. Still had no clue of the history of Freemasonry at that point. Um, fast forward to... So you're overseas, you're 17. I was overseas, 17. How many years were you over there? I was overseas for two years. Two years. In the okay. Marine Corps. One year, uh, yeah, two different times. Uh, I, two different deployments, total time, 14 months. Okay. Um, but I didn't really get involved in masonry in the Marine Corps. I kind of, you know, I dabbled and dabbled uh, with things, but it wasn't until I got out of the Marine Corps that I really started to try to find something that could replace it. That brotherhood, that bond. That Which I hear a lot of uh, veterans say that when they get out of the military and they're looking for that. I, and, 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 and I had not found it until um, I entered into the, you know, the holiest of holies. Um, so, you, so let me ask you this. You got out of the military. Right. How long was it until your deployment ended and you find yourself at a lodge? So, I mean, uh, well... 12 years. 12 years? 12. So, so quite I, a long time. Quite a long time. And the ironic part of how I got into masonry here in Arizona, uh, there was a worshipful master, Peter Francis. Um, he is the past master of Peoria Lodge. Uh, he was the maintenance man at where I work at. And he came in to respond to a maintenance emergency that I called him for because I was a, uh, the supervisor of a, a campus for traumatized children. And Brother... Peter, worshipful brother Peter, worked there as well. And he came in one night to respond to an emergency call from a stated meeting. And he had his lodge shirt on. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I, and I looked, and uh, I said, you're a mason, Mr. Peter? And he looked at me and said, what do you know about that? <laughs> I said, from what I had, my grandfather's mason. I would love to inquire more about it. And he invited me to Peoria Lodge. So I went to Peoria Lodge in 2010. It was full of 90-year-old white men. Everybody there was old and, you know, I'm a young guy, young kids. And even worshipful brother Peter said, well, you know, come back if you want to. They really didn't do a lot. Now that I know what to look for in a lodge, they weren't doing nothing that we do. So he's my top line signer, nonetheless. Um, but it was, I joined a Marine Corps veterans group on Facebook is how I met Brother Cotterell. And okay, we've interviewed Jeremy as well. And so uh, Brother Cotterell, um, he had said some things and identified himself as a Freemason in, in a debate with another Marine about leadership and whatnot. And he had just made the comment Freemason. And I responded to him, you're a Freemason. Him and I have a lot of, not a lot, we have similar political associations. So we were defending each other, and I responded to one of his quotes and said, hey, what are you, free, you're a Freemason? He said, yeah. So I asked him for his phone number, called him, and he invited me to Lodge Number 2. And I came oh, down. Okay. Uh, I had a top-line signer, so I took the next six months to get to know everybody at Lodge. And I started coming down to Number 2 and liked what i seen. Uh, worshipful Master Ron Heck, former um, past master of Arizona Number 2, was the master when I was... 
uh, initiated, passed, and raised. How, how ironic or how appropriate, considering he's a Marine as well. So. Right. Well, and the other thing is the way I received my induction into Freemasonry and the way I received my degrees was the way that Prince Hall received his in the formation of Africa Lodge Number 1. So, Blue Lightning. Okay. So, uh, the way that Prince Hall and 11 other men received uh, dispensation to form Africa Lodge Number 1, I received my light in the same way and was entered, passed, and raised the way Prince Hall was, uh, which was granted from... Very cool. So that's the family tie and how I piece it all together about the way I was initiated, passed, and raised versus Prince Hall as a as a tribute to my grandfather, posthumous tribute to him. So is your grandfather passed? Yeah, he passed he in is. the 70s before I was born. Oh, uh, but he was a yeah. uh, Prince Hall Mason out of Tennessee. So no no other family members that you've been able to share the, the Masonic yes. tie with? Uh, on my mother's side, uh, Billy Reese, rest his soul. He was a 50-year Mason. Oh. He lived in Tucson. Um, I had never met him, or as you were. I don't recall meeting him. The last time I seen him was at my great-grandmother's funeral when I was six. So, uh, but my mother told me that he was a Mason the day that I was raised. Uh, my succession of phone calls was to my brother, Patrick, who's in California investigating uh, the, the traveler's path himself right now. Oh, cool. All right. Um, who is black. He, so he's looking into the Prince Hall. He's, he's, he's looking both ways both in California. Ways. And, um, yeah. And, there you go. and then you called your uncle? I called my uncle Billy down in Tucson and told him and, um, was making plans to get down there and, and really bond with him. But he was he was heavy into the shrine. Uh, he had earned his 50-year pin in masonry, uh, but he hadn't been to a lodge in a while. So um, I've traveled some. I've been down to Tucson, uh, uh, Arizona Lodge Number 4. I've been down to the, uh, the Daylight Lodge in the downtown Shriners um, building down in Tucson. So... Uh, and a few lodges up here in the valley. So, can, can you tell me what you know? If you've done a little bit of traveling. You've been in masonry for three years. Can you any any interesting experiences or fun uh, memories? I tell you what. You know what? I'm going to share one before you do. <laughs> All right. Because I have a very specific memory related to you and related you may, to me. You may not even be aware of this, but I remember uh, the first time I ever met you was here at lodge, and we were at dinner. And you came in, and you were selling some guns for a friend of yours, a friend of yours who was having a hard time. And you came in, and you, you were selling, asking anybody if they wanted to buy guns. And uh, I remember talking to you and saying, hey, uh, I don't want a gun. I'd really love to get a Kimber. And you said, oh, I have a Kimber. He's got one. I don't have it here with me. You said, I'll bring it next week. The following week, you brought, you brought the Kimber. I remember you came in, and I saw you. I said, you got the Kimber? You said, yep. I went upstairs to do my degree work. By the time I came back downstairs, I was studying to, to pass my, uh, when I do some of my work, let's just say that. By the time I came back downstairs, you had sold that Kimber to Mike DiGiacomo. <laughs> and I remember, now hear me out before you get mad at me. I was pissed. I was like, Matthew Harris, blah, 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 blah. But then I got to know you. I got to, I saw you as a marshal and how dedicated you were and how crisp your work was and how, uh, uh, sharp all your work was then you locked yourself out of the car one night in the alley and i remember i happened to have a slim jim kit mm -hmm. in my car and i remember you uh asking me if you could help and i just remember 
opening a car for you that day and then you shared a little bit with me we talked and got to little, know each other a little bit i got to know you a lot more i felt like as a man and kind of on your journey and it just really you endeared yourself to me that time thank you so it was that's my story about you well to to defend myself from that <laughs> what i was doing for that young man uh it was a young man that i worked for who has since became my brother Matt nice. Mer- matthew merrill Shut up. That was the young man that I was I had no idea. And what it was, his father had passed, and his he asked me to come help him sell legal firearms. And I'm putting this on the record. They were legal <laughs> firearms. Yes, I'm sorry. And for his father, his father had an, an abundance. You see, I showed up with trucks. So right. they were first come, first serve right, right. to settle the debts of his father's estate. Yes. So it wasn't to undercut you or to, no, I know that. you know, and... Worshipful brother DiGiacomo, as liberal as he is, I'm surprised he even owns a weapon. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, he's a great guy. And um, that was a, the reason I told that story is because that was a good lesson for me. In you know, we talk about masonry makes good men better, and you learn that that didn't mean anything to me. It was a stupid gun. I've got lots of guns. It doesn't matter. I didn't need a particular gun, right? It was a good lesson for me to learn to set aside something trivial to not judge a man by an immediate action and get to know someone. So that was a good lesson for me. I think how, how masonry correlates to my personal life is in that same fashion. Um, When people physically look at me, the last thing that they would think of is my different culture that you will not assume that belongs to me. I definitely relate to a black culture more than anything being raised since two years old in a, a predominantly black uh, society and culture with my family and my aunts and uncles and siblings. My wife is black. My children are biracial. Jamar and Benny Jewel Harris and Kashela Liza and Harris and my wife Raquel Liza Ferguson Harris. I want their names in the record as well. Um, so um, I find that being not being able to make prudent decisions, to make decisions with temperance and fortitude and justice. That's what I've always longed for because I've always been stereotyped and labeled. One thing that masonry helps me with is to be able to find my guide and the rule and guide for me, uh, which is my religion and is my family. And it's also you guys as my brothers, right? I just had a conversation with the brother downstairs that no matter how mad I get with any brother in this lodge, you're my family. I'm a brother of Arizona number two, and this is my family, and you don't get to choose your family, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, I will go to war with any one of you men. I will hold any one of you men accountable, um, and with wise counsel and a tender ear and an effective tongue, I hope that I could always help one of my brothers as well as be helped in my time of need. I don't always make the best decisions, but one thing I've always been able to do is judge a man based on the content of his character. And I find that overall, we as human beings are not perfect, but overall within masonry, and there's a second set to this too, within masonry, I think that if we apply its principles, right? I mean, the constitution, the constitution was founded and written by a predominant number of Freemasons, right? John Hancock and, like they said, what, 60 or 70% of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. 14 of our presidents have been Freemasons, right? So I look at the Constitution 
as a Masonic document almost. Because if you look at if you look at the words in the Constitution, now don't look at the times in which it was applied. Because the original Constitution to what it is today, it has evolved. The United States is the oldest form of government, and yet the youngest government at the same time, because there's no other government on Earth right now that operates under the same system it did 240 years ago. Not England, not China, not Britain, none of them. But America does. We operate under the same constitution we did 240 years ago. But yet we're only 240 years old. How old is the UK? How old is China? How, you see what I'm saying? By right. the oldest and the youngest at the same time? So... With the tenets of Freemasonry and the travels of George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and all the men that came to create our nation, if you look at our ritual and correlate that with the words in the Constitution, you can see the, the tenets of Freemasonry in, our, in our, our, our conception as America. So that's the other piece of Masonry that I've wanted to explore because I'm I'm I love to be a student of history. Me too. Now, That's one of the draws of Freemasonry, I think, right. there's so much history. Right. One thing that, one thing that I'm, I'm turned off by, though, is the imperfect part of we as humans influencing Masonry. For instance, Albert Pike, staunch racist, Southerner, you know, the, the Dixiecrat, Civil War, Confederate soldier, did not want blacks being Freemasons. And that's not what Freemasonry is about. And for that reason, I have nothing to do with the Scottish Rite. That's interesting because I read a lot of Albert Pike and I am in the Scottish Rite and I never heard any of that about him and I don't doubt it. I mean, at the time it, in the it, South. Right, and, and, and it's the culture of the time. It but is the culture of the time. His influences, sure. and, and, and through my own studies, um, I, I'm definitely going to be part of the Shrine in time. Uh, the York Rite, um, you know, not to get into the specifics of the York Rite, but I have my own reservations about that too in terms of religion and well, what that means yeah, because stuff like it's kind of and you know so whatever yeah i'm finding my way my blue lodge is where i find the most refuge the most repose i come here to get my mind clear and learn our ritual and when i apply our ritual to my everyday practice i'm a happier man and it should and that blue lodge is the foundation it's the foundation yes. of your life you know it's what we talk about yes. i have to take a minute though and defend the scottish right only because i feel like i've yes. I'm on a path trying to learn more in there, and I find the men in Scottish Rite to be some of the best men I know. And certainly, it's Agreed. not it's it's a racially diverse organization. So yes. just just give it a sec a second thought. And and and, 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 to be, and to be honest, my brother, you're absolutely right. I'm letting my personal imperfection and personal biases cloud my judgment into the Scottish Rite right now, but. I'm also man enough to know my limitations. Sure. Right now, I'm not man enough to accept the teachings of the Scottish Rite based on the founders and how much Albert Pike influenced them, knowing how he felt about my family's ancestors. As a matter of fact, you know what I found in our library today? What is that? There is a, bo there is a book, I'll show it to you, written by a Prince Hall Mason who was a 33rd degree Scottish Rite who has the largest collection of Prince Hall Masonic history on record. Right. And we have a book about him in our library here. You know what the oldest, the oldest dispensation from English is, England is on this continent? No. Africa Lodge number one. Oh, really? It is still preserved. You can go into Boston 
and find it today. It's uh, the lodge isn't called Africa Lodge Number One, but the oldest charter and dispensation from England belongs to that lodge and is still around today. Mm, and it's listed somewhere in Boston. I, I wish I had more specifics on it, but um, what I what, to close this interview. And by the way, I would like to thank you for what you're doing and what you're trying to capture and encapsulate in time, a moment in time. What my overall goal is in masonry, I join, you know, I, 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 I tease my wife sometimes. Masonry is my retirement plan. After I retire from work, I'm going to need somewhere to go so I don't get <laughs> left. Lodge is going to be a good place for me to go. That's where the old retired guys old go. Old retired guys go to Lodge. It's better than going to some other <laughs> places that are less, you know, uh, so that's one of my questions. Do you see masonry is yes. continuing to be so, part of your life for a long time? Yes. What I, I would love to bridge the gap in masonry. I hate the fact that there's a separation in Prince Hall masonry and masonry. It, I and do I, too, but it's a double-edged sword. Right. I, I don't understand enough of the complexities. And the fact that each state has its own governing body, there's no uniform national Grand Lodge to help guide and rule us. It's hard. So in, you know, in each state, um, you know, it has its own norms and mores. Um, so that is going to be difficult. But my goal in masonry, what I want to get out of masonry, uh, is what I put into it, and that is to learn how to be a better man, how to be a better father, brother, husband, um, better protector, a better child of my God. And I think that if I can stay true to masonry, um, it'll just it'll be better for my family in the long run. So um, two questions before we close. Yeah. First is we talked about how masonry, one of the tenets of masonry is we make good men better. Yes. Has masonry made you a better man? No. Yes, it has. I say that no. I see Maybe. it. I see your eagerness. I see right. you wanting to improve and grow. And But it, listen to your question. Has masonry made you? Not yet. Maybe not no, but not yet. But we talk about in Freemasonry, you're on, you know, and this is public knowledge. We talk about the rough ashler yes. and the smooth ashler. The rough ashler is I'm every still, man. I'm still full of superfluities. But no man is a perfect smooth ashler, right? The, right. the life is about being on that journey from being from the rough ashler to the smooth ashler. Mm -hmm. We are all somewhere on that line, brother. Yes. Somewhere on that. We are not I, at the end of it. I would say that my, my trimming hammer is smaller than yours. <laughs> <laughs> to chip away at my superfluities is taking a lot longer because I haven't been as devoted as I need to be. But my family comes first and foremost. And one thing that Worshipful Brother Peter Francis always told me, do not make Raquel a Masonic widow. And that doesn't mean you die. That means you don't spend so much time at the lodge that you take away from your family and right. get divorced or lose your family as a result of masonry. Family has to come first, period, dot. Or else everything we're doing here this, you know, this thing that we got going on here isn't going to work, right? So the second question I want to ask you is, is there, and it sounds like you've already said Peter's name a couple times, but I like to ask, is there anyone who stands out to you as someone who embodies the ideals of Freemasonry and has really made an impact on you as a man in Masonry? Worshipful Master Ron Heck. Ron Heck. Worshipful Master Ron Heck and 
and uh, I would say, I would say, Worshipful Master Ron Heck has been an exemplary leader to me. Um, uh, Worshipful Grandmaster, Most Worshipful Bill Gerard, um, he, Most Worshipful Larry Schaefer, uh, both of those men were the Grandmaster of the State of Arizona at different times. Uh, both of those men have offered me wise counsel and have schooled me to the ways of masonry. One thing I didn't understand in masonry that I had to learn the hard way is there's still politics in this. We're human beings and we're men. We're men, we're imperfect. Right. So understanding that, and they helped guide me through that. Andrew Warienka, Michael DiGiacomo, um, they have taught me, both of them as past masters of the lodge, they have taught me that there are extreme differences within our family and that, you know, um, it is possible to, uh, to overcome differences and be better men. Um, so I would take those gentlemen, uh, Brother Michael Branch, Brother got a photographic memory. God bless him. Uh, too, too bad he's in Florida. Now. He's a Marine as well. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Okay. Right. Um, Jeremy Cotterell, my bottom line signer, he has an unwavering strength that a lot of people do not realize about him. He is a shining star in masonry, yet a very distant star, right? Um, I'm going to keep it strengths-based. Jeremy is my brother, and I love him, and he's a great man. And I, and I thank him wholeheartedly for introducing me to Arizona Number 2. Um, I would not join any other lodge. I would not want it any other way. The first and the only question and, and the only thing I asked Jeremy and the first question when I met Ron Heck when I walked downstairs is, do you recognize black men as Masons? He said, yeah, why not? And I was sold. <laughs> That's my If they would have said no, then I would not have joined here because of my I family lineage. Here, yeah. No, 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 no. We got all men of all colors in yeah. our lodge, and I love that. And I, I would love to see that more in Masons. Grow even more. And, and I think cause at the end of the day, uh, we all are born of vagina, and we are all men, period. Matthew, thank you for taking the time to talk yeah. to me today. Uh, please edit this appropriately. <laughs> There's no editing, brother. All right. Well, if it's, if it's live, it's fine. If it's, it's live, fine. then, then uh, 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 thank you for this time, and, and Semper Fidelis.